The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we're going to be talking about fat sex, the naked truth. Yes, you heard me right, fat and sex. (laughs) Two words you don't usually think of in the same sentence, but that's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, And here's a spoiler alert. Fat people do have sex. (laughs) And here to tell you about it is my guest, Rebecca Jane Weinstein. She's the author of Fat Sex, The Naked Truth. She is a person of size herself, and um, she has compiled a new book, written a new book, that um, gets into this what taboo topic um, in many different ways and and Rebecca welcome to the show thank you very much Um, I it is it is a taboo topic I mean you must be having an interesting time um, doing interviews about this book Uh, you know I, I you probably have been meeting with various reactions people wanting hosts or you know who interview you wanting to be politically correct and yet, I don't know, you feeling a little squeamish at times? Well, for the most part, the people who have interviewed me seem to be genuinely supportive of the idea and don't see it necessarily as taboo as much as undiscussed. Uh-huh. Although that's not true about everyone. And when I do encounter people who are not so supportive, it's more of a kind of mocking, isn't this funny sort of thing, which is exactly why I wrote the book in the first place. Yes, tell tell us more about that. Well, I started writing the book because of a website that I developed called peopleofsize.com, and it's a community for large-sized people and people who love them and people who are interested in body issues and all of that kind of stuff to communicate, learn, read articles. And one thing that kept coming up over and over was relationships, romance, sex, people's feelings about their bodies in terms of how they're perceived by others, shame, shame is a huge issue. And people were telling me their stories in a lot of detail, very personal, and it was clear that they really needed some place to explore these ideas and to share them and to not feel pent up with these things that have been bothering them, many of them, for most of their lives. So 
I decided to write a book, and I started to interview people, and I got so many people interested in being interviewed that I actually had to cut off the interviews <laughs> at one point. Um, uh-huh. I could write probably two more books, just, and now I'm getting more people saying, interview me now. Now there are a lot of men who want to be interviewed, hmm. which wasn't necessarily the case for the first book. So it's clear people really need and want to share this. They want to be heard and validated as human beings. Yes. Okay. Well, I, I'm going to want you to tell us some of the uh, some of the, your favorite stories in the book. Um, but before that, uh, <laughs> your favorite story, or maybe uh, the story you know most intimately, in any case, is your own. So let's start off with that. Why? How? I don't know if I'm sure it's politically incorrect to ask you your weight, but with <laughs> whatever you feel, whatever general assessment you feel comfortable giving us. Um, if you could just tell us your story. And I, I, before that, I want to say that not only is Rebecca uh, the author of this new book, but she is also trained as a social worker and, a, and as an attorney. So go ahead. So you have all these different perspectives that you can bring to this. So go ahead. Well, first about the weight. And I'm not going to tell you how much I weigh, but it's not because it's not politically correct. It's because I think it's irrelevant. And I, I think that if you see me, you know I'm a large person. There's no secret about that. I am clearly a big human being. And what that number is, so what? What's important is whether I'm healthy and, you know, I could tell you how my cholesterol is <laughs> and, you know, my sugar and all that, but nobody wants to hear that. So, well, I'm actually, you know, being a psychiatrist, an MD, I am kind of interested uh, because I watched, I went to your website and I watched the Today Show interview. It was a great interview. And um, and that was, to be honest with you, that was one of the, I, I read, I've read your book and I, I, you know, really connected with you. And that was one of the things that I was thinking was I was watching the interview was, um, my goodness, you know, I hope that she hasn't compromised her health or that she isn't, you know, as people get older, of course, they have to take more, um, and not that you're old by any means, but I mean, you know, you're not 15. And and um, I was concerned about whether you, wondering, that was one of my questions, whether you um, have have some increasing concern as you're, that, that maybe you should be concerned about your cholesterol or about diabetes or about health issues. Oh, I don't I don't think there's anybody on earth and I'm 45 years old. So if I wasn't concerned about those things, it would be pretty foolish. Uh I would say that I have very much compromised my health, but it isn't because of my body size per se. It's because of all of the things I've done to my body in making it smaller and then it getting larger and smaller and larger and mm-hmm. smaller. I've lost hundreds of pounds in my lifetime mm. through all kinds of diets, many of them um, medically prescribed and supervised, and have gotten quite sick on those diets. I've actually had surgery because of those diets, um, 
because of eating disorders. I've had other health problems. And that none of that was directly related to being a fat person. It was directly related to being in the yo-yo dieting cycle. Mm-hmm. And that has actually done quite a bit of damage to my body. And I would say it's fair to say, considering other people in my family and my genetics that while I probably would have been a larger person, I'm considerably larger than I would have been had I not started dieting at six years old Mm. and continued to diet for nearly 40 years. Hmm. Wow. That is a lesson to be learned. Absolutely. So so we kind of jumped ahead, and I didn't mean to do that, but... But when you said cholesterol, it kind of uh, it kind of triggered my question. But if you could start from you know six or or when you're a little girl and how this all came about. Well, I was about. I guess I started to get a slightly chubby at around five or six, and I can't tell you exactly why. I was five or six years old. My parents got divorced. Maybe that had something to do with it. Uh, but I was sent to a pediatrician, and, and I was not, I, I don't I mean, I was a slightly chubby child. Uh, I, I, I think it would be a huge stretch to say I was a fat child. And the pediatrician, well-meaning as he was, and this was in the very early 1970s, put me on a diet, and my parents, well-meaning as they were, took that to, a, to an extreme and informed my first-grade teacher that I was on a diet, and then my first-grade teacher informed my class I was on a diet, and that just started a pattern in my life of people withholding food from me and me being very hungry and seeking out food and there being a power struggle between myself and my parents and I really developed an eating disorder as a six-year-old. And it only got progressively worse because as I got older and I was more teased by my peers and my parents became more concerned about me as I was reaching puberty, all of that only got more and more intense. And when I started to be able to learn about very unhealthy ways of controlling weight and being a young person, I tried everything in the book. I took a great deal of diet medication. I took some illicit diet medication. I was bulimic, and I was a compulsive exerciser. I was not ever thin like I had anorexia, but my behavior was like anorexia in that I ate about 500 calories a day, Hmm. exercised three hours a day as a teenager. And doing that, being incredibly compulsive and extremely unhealthy, both physically and psychologically, I was able to maintain a relatively normal weight. I was always a little larger than my friends, but certainly not a fat person. Although, in my mind, I was 
enormous. And but you're talking about in high school at this point, right? Right. And you know, all of it it started when I was 6. It started with my first pediatrician putting me on that diet and then continued throughout my life. There were some dramatic moments in my life. I talk about it in the book where my grandmother actually opened the book where my grandmother when I was 9 told me that no man would ever love me because of my body because I was fat and ugly and no one would ever love me. And nobody nobody stood up for me and said, that's wrong. And I was nine, so I really had no way of knowing whether that was wrong or not. Mm-hmm. And whether or not there was any truth to it, in a societal, you know, in the big picture, it certainly became true in my mind mm-hmm. and in some ways became a self-fulfilling prophecy because I just never believed that I would be lovable. And that's not to say no one has ever loved me, but it's always been a struggle for me. Mm-hmm. I've never been a person who could easily accept the idea that someone was attracted to me and loved me and appreciated me, even when they clearly did. And that's my story, but it's the story that person after person after person tells in the book. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's an incredibly common pattern with people who are, one, put on diets as children, and two, made to feel as if they're not quite normal human beings because their bodies are too large. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good place to stop for this first segment. We do need to take a break. My guest is Rebecca Jane Weinstein. Her new book is called Bat Sex, The Naked Truth. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. Uh, we'll be right back with more stories from Rebecca and from uh, people who she interviewed in her great book. Stay tuned. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships... Check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. 
Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host. Dr. Carol Lieberman. My guest today is Rebecca Jane Weinstein. She is the author of a new book called Fat Sex, The Naked Truth. And yes, we're going to get to the sex part, but <laughs> I always, Rebecca, I always put people, my guests on the couch, you know, on Dr. Carol's couch. So you'll, I hope you'll excuse me for that. Um, so before we get to the sex, um, I, one thing I, I, I'm just sort of anticipating what some of my listeners are thinking, and um, you, were, you were talking about all the different you know, you're sort of a, a poster child for all the different things that someone can try to do to lose weight. You know, the yo-yo dieting, and you were saying compulsive exercise, and so on. And um, yes, in that story, you, I wanted to make sure you you added um, with the sixth grade teacher, the, the your mother told her that you were on a diet, and therefore you can't have birthday cake. What's more devastating to a child? In, in the, I mean, first was first grade. Wait, what was it? Was she was six years old? Was first grade, right? Yes. Yes. And, um, it, you know, how embarrassing and how awful to not be able to have the birthday cake that everybody else is having. But I want to, something that you were talking about in regard to how this started, well, really it started when your parents got divorced, which is in, the, in your stories, that is a theme. And certainly in my experience, that is a theme that I have found that, um, well, divorce is traumatizing for any child and that that can um, start someone... Um, trying to look for nurturance because because parents splitting up feels like there's going to be a lack of a lack a lack of love and attention and so people try to um compensate for that by by taking nurturance literally through food but i wanted to well i don't know if you if you want to comment on that uh sure i'll be happy to you know, I was sick, so it's very hard, or even younger, so it's very hard to know what was going on in my little girl mind. I, When I started to put on weight, it was a very small amount of weight, so whether or not I was eating to soothe myself or really it was just my physical nature to be a slightly larger person. Uh, all the women on my father's side of the family are larger people. And so maybe I was just, you know, in my own normal range. I don't know. The, the issues exacerbated when there started to be a power play between me and my parents mm. over food. Mm. And... Yes, there's no question that nurturing was an issue. My parents were unhappy, and their unhappiness clearly made me unhappy. It, it was not a happy family when I was a kid, and there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that that had an impact on my life, but 
that isn't explicitly what made me a fat person. It was the obsession about my body that made me a fat person. And both the psychological and physiological things that were happening when I wasn't being fed properly, you know, where I was being essentially starved and then I would fight back both just because I was hungry and because I was angry. Right, right. Um, You know, this is all very complicated and I've actually been through quite a bit of therapy. Mm -hmm. And... I I can imagine some, I can imagine because I've heard this kind of thing all the time, a lot of people saying, well, this is these are excuses and now I've given up and now I've just, mm. because I have stopped dieting now. Mm. And this is what I have to say about that. I worked, I, I'm a very diligent, hardworking person. I have a law degree, I have a master's degree, I've written two books, I've run businesses, I am not what I would believe is a lazy human being. And I worked on trying to be a thin person from the age of six to the age of 42. And I worked at it every single day of my life. And I was unsuccessful at maintaining that. And there are a lot of very real reasons for that, physiological, psychological, they're complex. When... And through that entire period of my life, despite having gone through a great amount of therapy, I never stopped having eating disordered behaviors. Mm. They would wax and wane. Sometimes they were worse than others. But I never really got over that. And when I stopped dieting, I stopped having eating disordered behaviors. Mm. And it took a while. And... You know, maybe eventually I'll get smaller, maybe I won't, I don't know. But between some very good therapy and deciding it was time to stop doing that to myself, I was able to start to maintain my health or start to regain my health. Mm -hmm. And people may not believe that because they see me and they say, well, she's so fat she can't possibly be healthy. And people can believe what they will. But the truth of the matter is I'm a lot healthier eating well, exercising normally, and not doing dramatically unhealthy things to my body. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, let's get to the sex. I'm sure that's what everybody, everybody's waiting for. Well, you, can, um, you can pick out um, an example of one of the people in your book who you interviewed, um, I mean, you explore, I, I love the way you explore all different aspects of sex and fat. Um, so why don't you pick out a story, in the, one of your favorites, and tell us about it. Oh, it's really hard for me to pick out favorites because some I relate to very much and some I don't relate to at all. Um, so I like them for different reasons. If we're going to start with sex, let's start with <laughs> more dramatic story. Let's start with the woman who was um, a fat porn star. Mm -hmm. And this is a woman who, during the 80s, was a porn star weighing upwards of 350, maybe a little bit more. And she was an extremely beloved adult entertainer. And she starred in many films, She had an incredible fan base. She still, to this day, and now she's a woman in her 60s, and 
obviously I'm in contact with her, she still has fans who absolutely adore her. And she was one of the first women in mainstream porn who was a, a fat woman and really sort of opened the door for fat women in adult entertainment, not so much for the women themselves, but for the men who were ashamed that that was their preference. During that time in the 70s and 80s, as it is now, uh, the idea of being attracted to a fat woman was not something that was terribly well accepted. And many of the men I've talked to in my book, their, their issues have been with their families and friends being very displeased with their attraction to large women. Mm-hmm. And so she essentially gave men this permission to find large women attractive. Now, whether, you know, whether you think porn is a good thing or a bad thing or, you know, whether this woman had issues or not, she still did that. She still opened up that door. And she has very mixed feelings about her experience in the porn industry. The, the, other, the other porn actors actually were not terribly nice to her. She, she dealt with a lot of uh, abuse because they didn't find her particularly attractive. Mm. Um, but she had this incredible fan base, so she cut lots and lots and lots of work. And then after she stopped being in X-rated films, she moved on to legitimate... Uh, she moved into legitimate movies, and she was not shunned for having been an X-rated actress. She was continued down the path of getting naked and showing her body. Even in legitimate films, what they were interested in her for was mm-hmm. her naked, fat body. And it's a fascinating story about her experience going, first of all, I didn't know that much about the adult entertainment industry. You know, I don't know the, I'm sorry about the pun, the ins and outs of the adult (laughs) entertainment industry. So that's very interesting. But from the perspective of someone who was an outsider and also loved for that exact reason, it's really fascinating. Um, So that's a pretty you know, uh, specifically sex-related story that I like. I also really like a a story about a young man who's 21 years old who is involved in this practice called feederism. Now, that's, that's when someone wants their body to be larger and their partner wants their body to be larger, and they actually work towards that end. Mm-hmm. And it's all part of the sexual dynamic of the relationship. They incorporate food into sex, and uh, watching the body grow is a very erotic practice. Now, I find this to be very interesting because it's extremely controversial. In the world of size acceptance, which is people who are trying to be accepted for their, their size. It's pretty obvious what it is. Um, 
feederism is not something that is well tolerated. There, there's a sense that they give fat people a bad name, that they're that they're unhealthy, that they're psychologically troubled, and that there's coercion involved in this behavior, and it's just all around not a good thing. And in fact, some of the one of the biggest advocates for fat people actually has a policy against supporting feederism. Mm. So when I did this chapter, I was actually told by a number of people not to do it. Don't do a chapter on feederism. It's just too controversial, and you don't want to give people the wrong idea. Well, the thing is, when I talked to this man, he wasn't, he wasn't out there the way I expected him to be. And I'm not advocating his behavior. I, I'm not judging his behavior at all. I'm a storyteller. I'm not a judge. Um, and I wasn't his therapist, so that isn't my job. But his explanation of why he's attracted to lo- the large body and how he incorporates food and fat into sex, as he tells the story... It doesn't sound all that strange. It was something that he was inclined to do from a child. He would dress up in clothing. He would put pillows under his clothing and admire his big belly, you know, his fake big belly. Hmm. And he was attracted to large people. He just had an inclination towards this from a very young age before it was overtly sexual, when it was just some sort of attraction. Uh-huh. And in his practice of feederism, he's incredibly concerned with what he eats and whether or not he's healthy. And we've seen a lot of people on some of these shock talk shows who are into feederism. And uh, they do things like film them with, 50,000 calories worth of food on the table with them mm-hmm. eating. And I don't know a lot of people into this practice personally, and the truth is it's a very, very rare practice. Um, but that's not at all what this man does. And for the most part, he doesn't try to gain weight because he knows that it's not socially acceptable, but when he does engage in the practice, he tries to eat very well, and he goes to the gym, and he's very concerned about his cardiovascular health, and um, he's just not trying to lose fat. Mm-hmm. And it's fascinating, and, you know, there are going to be people who don't buy it, you know, who just think this is a troubled young man, yeah. um, but... I understood him. Rebecca, I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I, the right. music is going. I, I, you probably can't hear it. But we I do need to stop it. now, but we will come back and finish up with this story. Um, my guest is Rebecca Jane Weinstein. Her new book is called Fat Sex, The Naked Truth. We're talking all about that. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. <laughs> 
the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Do you find yourself tearing pictures of rooms out of magazines? Do you watch certain movies and TV programs because of the homes they show? Are Sundays reserved for open houses? Then you are a home dreamer. And someday, you will build or renovate your dream home. Steve Clip has spent three decades learning how to win at the dream home game. His show, Winning the Dream Home Race, can be heard every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Let Steve Clip help save you money and make you a winner. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, with my guest, Rebecca Jane Weinstein, her new book, really uh, tackling things that you won't see elsewhere, is called Fat, Sex, the Naked Truth. Um, you know, and, and yes, one of the things you touched on that I was, thought was very interesting that you write about is how this idea of um, men, men liking fat women, women, women of size, um, but then being uh, pressured by people around them, being made to feel embarrassed by their family or their friends, like the one story of the girl who uh, got out of her car, she was with a guy, um, and mm-hmm. she got out of her car to hug him at a military base, and all his his friends were there and were making fun of him because he was with someone. You know, they'd say, "How, how could you be with this fat woman, this this fat girl?" And they made fun of him, and that was the end of that. He never called her again. That's a very common theme that runs throughout the book. That particularly when people are younger that although men are attracted to to a larger woman, it's not what's socially acceptable. So their friends and family, regardless of whether they're actually attracted to larger women themselves, will give that person a really hard time. And and it, it is the demise of a lot of relationships. And that is a problem, you know, but it's based on bigotry. It's not... You know, and it, it's no different than someone disliking someone because of their, their race or ethnicity. You know, it's, it's a prejudice, and that's a problem. Um, you know, people are really entitled to be attracted to their, 
to who they're enti- they're attracted to. Uh, but it is a common problem, and I I don't hide that in the book. I don't try to pretend that there aren't issues around being a big person and sex and relationships because there are issues. And there are a lot of um, myths, you know, a lot of that, that come with some of these prejudices where people um, think about how can, how, I mean, I'm sure you've been asked, how can two large people have sex? How can they physically get into bed or wherever and have sex? What do you, and you talk about that in the book, so tell us something about that. Well, I find that to be a really interesting question. And, you know, the, the fact of the matter is that if two people have really big bellies, they're going to have a difficult time having sex in a missionary position on a bed. But it's not that difficult to be creative. There are all sorts of devices like pillows and standing up and bending over, and uh, there are a lot of activities that people engage in sexually that aren't missionary position intercourse. So when people ask about that, I my first thought is, well, haven't you ever done anything besides have missionary <laughs> position intercourse? Uh-huh. Um, you know, I mean, I can describe things that people can do, but fat people didn't invent those things. <laughs> you know, any, I mean, if somebody has a bad back and they weigh 125 pounds or somebody has one limb or somebody has some kind of disability or somebody just doesn't like something in one particular position, they find a way to compensate. Mm-hmm. You know, the human body, not every person in the world is in absolute perfect physical health or, you know, has no flesh on their body or all of their muscles work properly. You know, I mean, we are a varied bunch, human beings. Mm -hmm. And somehow, no matter who we are, we seem to manage to have sexual activity. (laughs) Yes. Now, also you talk about um, in some of the stories about the um, concept of people, how did you put it? Um, well, it's coming to mind, and this isn't how you said it, but like fat people are an easy lay, you know, or fat women will be grateful, or, um, you know, that kind of thing. That uh, I've heard that stereotype so many times now, and I did a little morning radio show this morning, and that was one of the questions they asked. Our... our are fat girls easy, to, and do they try harder because they know they're never going to get the guy in bed a second time? Huh. And, you know, it's very hard to respond to that. Um, first, trying harder in bed, trying to be a better lover, is a good thing. So let's say for the sake of argument, fat women try harder in bed. Well, good for them. Mm -hmm. which means you're going to have better sex with a fat woman. And you should be excited and thrilled and feel lucky that you're having sex with somebody who is so enthusiastic and tries so hard. Mm -hmm. So if if that myth, that stereotype, you know, if there's any truth to it, well, you know, more power to fat, to fat women. And probably it's ridiculous. And, 
how people are in bed is, is, is such a complicated issue. I mean, I'm not a sex therapist, and I'm not an expert on everybody's sexuality, but I live in the world, and I know that there are people with all kinds of attitudes about sex and people who are extraordinarily open and people who are very uh, closed off about it. You know, there are religious perspectives and beliefs and, you know, so everybody's going to be different. And and there's no statistics on this. People who, there have never been studies on whether or not fat girls are better lays. You know, <laughs> that you should just, do. <laughs> well, okay, maybe that's book number two. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and this is just things people say. And, you know, there are two reasons people say it. The reason that men who like fat women say it is because they like fat women. And they mm-hmm. like to be able to say, fat women are better in bed, mm-hmm. and I like to have sex with them. And the reason people who don't like fat women say it is because they don't like fat women, and they want to be mean. Mm. And how, that, how do they know whether fat women are better or worse in bed? They've never had sex with a fat woman before. Mm-hmm. So... You know, well, do, okay. Now you you've written that you've had sex, although I can't remember. I think there were two occasions, or I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but where you've had sex with fat men, do they try harder? Do you find anything different? Let's put it that way. Do you find anything different um, besides maybe having to have different positions with men that are fat than with with men that aren't? Absolutely not. I, absolutely not. Now you know, I'm no. I have some experience in life. I'm, I'm not that prolific, but I have had relationships with both thin men and large men, more thin men than large men. And the biggest difference with men is age. There's a huge difference between a man, in my limited experience, with a man who's 25 years old than a man who's 45 years old in terms of how competent they are and how giving they are and how much time they spend and all that kind of stuff. So, but in terms of size, I, it's, it's to me a complete non-issue. Mm-hmm. And also in my limited experience, although fat men may not, may or may not care that they're fat, they're not as self-conscious as fat women. Mm-hmm. You know, men typically, no matter what they look like, rip off all their clothes. (laughs) And Uh it doesn't matter whether they're fat or skinny or muscular or not. You know, they just are much more comfortable with their bodies. They're less inhibited. And, you know, so I haven't seen it. Now, I don't have sex with women, so I can't speak to anything except what people have told me Uh in that regard. But... um, and that's one of the big points that you make in your book, and I do want you to underline that, that really um, it's more about uh, whether people are comfortable with their bodies and self-confident and have self-esteem as compared to how much they actually weigh, that, um, that people who, regardless of their weight, who do feel good about themselves, um, have much more satisfying sexual experiences so it's not about the number of pounds. You know, that, that's exactly right. And with that conclusion, I have mixed feelings. 
part of me is thrilled that that's true, and part of me is almost disappointed because it's such a cliche, Mm -hmm. you know, that if you feel good about your body, you're going to do better Yes. Sexually. Yeah. You know, love yourself. Yes. You have to love yourself before someone's going to love you. Right. And, you know, I, I sort of hate that the moral of the book is such a cliche, but <laughs> it's, it, 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 it's a fact. Uh-huh. I mean, it's so evident from the people I've talked to that what is absolutely the most important thing is how you feel about yourself. And the people who think that they're sexy and who just feel great about themselves and carry themselves as if they're attractive mm-hmm. are attractive to other people and have absolutely no problem attracting the opposite sex or the same sex, you know, whatever uh, their preferences. But it's, it's all in your head. And I, I learned that, you know, I was learning that as I was writing the book because I don't come from that place. I come from a place of a lot of insecurity and a lot of trauma around being a fat person. So I struggle with self-confidence. I am not someone who feels, you know, I'm not snap my fingers sexy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so in a way you wish that that, weren't, that wasn't the... Uh... The conclusion, you know. Well, no, I'm all... glad it is, but I have to work on it myself. Uh-huh. I mean, it's sometimes harder to do that than to lose weight. We're having another break. This, this hour is going really quickly. My guest is Rebecca Jane Weinstein. Her book is called Fat, Sex, the Naked Truth, and if we haven't enticed you by now to buy it and read it, <laughs> that's unfortunate. <laughs> so stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships... Check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking about Fat Sex, the Naked Truth, which is the title of a new book by Rebecca Jane Weinstein. She's been uh, giving us some, really taking us deep, going into deep layers (laughs) 
about this issue and, and goes into even deeper layers in the book with all of these stories from people she's interviewed. Because what, what's so fabulous is that you look at it from so many different ways, you know, fat and sex, um, and their combination. <laughs> and, and so uh, honestly, um, so I want to know about how this book, writing this book, has affected you, your life. In your, in your epilogue, um, you talk about how things are at the time that you're writing it. And um, at the time, you were in a relationship with a guy who liked women of larger size and who had gotten to, what was interesting was that he hadn't really been so large himself until he stopped working at a job which was very physical and he was gaining some weight. Um, but it seemed to be a good relationship, and apparently the book has had something to do with that, <laughs> has had something, has changed that. Uh well, I don't know if the book has changed it. I mean, the book has had great influence on me. Um, and overall, it's had a tremendously positive influence on me, but it hasn't been easy. It, it was very, very emotional writing this book. And hearing people's stories that were just like mine hurt. You know, it brought back a lot of, uh, a lot of my own issues. Hearing people's stories who have manage to either get past or just don't have the kind of insecurities that I've had, you know, both made me feel optimistic, but also a little disappointed in myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I just went through a roller coaster of emotions doing this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And then I've never, I'm not a sex writer in general. And so this is the first time I've ever done this. And putting myself out there, and now, you know, there's not a whole lot of privacy left in my life. Mm. Um, so all of a sudden, all of these stories about me are out there, which is a very peculiar thing <laughs> for someone who is not familiar with that. Uh-huh. And, but it's been, it's been a fascinating experience, and I would say that overall I feel the same way that most of the people I've talked to feel, which is it's very important to me to know that how you feel about yourself and attitude is profoundly important because that's something that we can always work on. And whether or not I'm ever going to get smaller, I don't know, but I know that I can work on my self-esteem and my perspective on myself and, you know, whether or not I'm sexy. So so are you saying that, um, because of this roller coaster that you went on as you were writing it, which is certainly understandable, um, that that kind of was too hard for your guy to take at the time, or was it that you were becoming, was he um, somewhat intimidated or afraid of what was going to happen to you if you became famous with the publishing of this book on television and radio and so on? That's a very good question. Yeah. I- uh, as you're intimating, I'm no longer involved with that guy. Um, I wasn't going to change the book because <laughs> because <laughs> we broke up, which we did after I had written that. Um, that's a very good question. I honestly don't know the answer, but my speculation is that, yes, in part he was intimidated by me being so open and what that was going to mean in terms of his exposure. Mm. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't know. I I mean, there were other reasons the relationship didn't work. You know, fat is not the only thing that ruins a relationship. (laughs) Um, 
So there were other factors involved. <laughs> I think those were pri- the primary factors. Uh, and the fat thing, I mean, he met me when I was fat. I met him when he was fat. We were both attracted to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, that that didn't change as I was writing the book. And I don't think I changed in my dynamic with him as I was writing the book. Uh, so... But, you know, it, it, I, I can imagine it's intimidating for anybody when someone starts putting their life out on display the way I did, and that wasn't really my intention. I ended up writing much more about myself than I thought I was going to. Well, that's really the, you know, of co- in the end, that's the most interesting part because, of course, all these stories are interesting and they look at different aspects of this whole issue of fat and sex. But people want to know um, about your story and, and um, what, you know, how, where, where are you coming from to be writing all of this, you know, um, because, I, because also your personality comes out in telling these other stories, so people still want to know about you in the end. And I think that's what makes the book so good, that it is so personal and intimate. Otherwise, it really, you know, would be like a textbook. <laughs> right. You know, so. I, I've learned that... And I, I hate, oh, it's another cliche that I hate to use, and I'm not even sure I remember the exact cliche, but it's something about secrets being, uh, I don't know, being things that harm us the most. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I really decided, sort of, I was able to write this book because I was at a point in my life where I was able to talk about things openly. Mm-hmm. Up until... Not terribly long ago, I couldn't say the word fat. Everybody who ever met me knew I was fat, and I couldn't say it. And, you know, I was very, very humiliated by who I was physically. And it took a tremendous amount of work to even get past that a little bit. So, so... I decided that I just was going to tell the truth. Yes, and that was, and that's, uh, that's what really comes out. You, you know, you must have heard a lot of people. One of the things a lot of people must say to you is, "You have such a pretty face." Well, I've been hearing that. You have since such I was a pretty face. If you would only, right? Yeah, and um, I have to get to the. I have to be at the point in my life. I, as a human being, I have to learn, and this is what fat people have to learn, to be able to survive without being traumatized every moment of their life, Mm -hmm. is that whether or not people think that they have such a pretty face, if only, they're beautiful the way they are. And, you know, some people look different than others, and we just are who we are. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not you know, some anti, on some anti-diet tirade, people should do what they need to do in their lives. It's not, not my business what other people do. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to make sure that we have, leave uh, enough time for you to give out the website again and uh, tell people where to get the book. Okay. Um, the book website is fatsexthebook.com. Pretty easy to remember. You can buy the book on Amazon. It's both in paperback and in ebook. And 
please buy copies and buy lots of them. And also peopleofsize.com. It's one word, peopleofsize.com is a place where a lot of discussion and good things happen. And it's this is really meant for everybody because, yes, it's about fat, but it's really about being a human being. And everybody has insecurities and everybody has struggles and nobody is emotionally and psychologically and physically perfect. Mm -hmm. And we are all trying to become better people. Absolutely. Well, that's a perfect way to end. And let me just repeat those websites again, fatsexthebook.com and peopleofsize.com. Check those out. Very interesting. And check out, of course, (laughs) buying the book. Fat Sex and Naked Truth. Um, Rebecca, it's, a, it's, it's really wonderful that, you, that you're bringing this subject up, that you wrote this good book, that you um, are, are providing it as a forum for people to talk about things that, that they may not feel comfortable talking about, whether regardless of what size they are. And yes, you, you make that point, that final point, that's, that, that is the bottom line, that um, regardless of what size you are or what other attributes you have, it really does depend upon, uh, well, about how you feel about yourself and how attractive you think you are. And and that in itself actually becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because you get the reaction that you want um, if you you do that, if you you act the way that you um, want to project to the world. You get the reaction that you want. So thank you again. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.